What's going on, guys? It's your boy. It's Topher. Um, you know, I had said in my last episode that I was going to try and stay out of the political stuff here. Um, I wanted to keep this a safe space for everyone. I wanted to keep it a space where we were just enjoying ourselves and and trying to kind of forget about the things that are going outside and going on outside in the world. But I I can't. I can't. And I tried, and I was quiet for a couple of weeks. But with everything going on, you know. Uh, it's incumbent upon us as people of color to stand up and say that things aren't right. It's incumbent upon our white allies to stand up and say things aren't right. And I can't create a safe space. I, I can't create a space where we're not talking about what's going on in the world because lives are hanging in the balance. So for this week, um, we're going to shift. And I apologize to anyone who came on here thinking they were going to get a graduation um, commemoration, but we're going to shift. And I'm going to share with you guys, um, I was fortunate enough to be part of this panel with a really great, great group of podcasters. I mean, these folks are, are passionate about what they do. They're knowledgeable in what they speak about. Uh, so we, we all hopped onto this, this uh, live on Facebook. Uh, we're called the United Nation of Podcasts. And essentially what we do is we put together a panel of podcasters similar to myself and we just talk about current events. And I think that it's an extremely important thing that, you know, that this group is doing. I think the message that they're spreading is fantastic and that, you know, you have to you have to have these tough conversations. And if we could have these conversations and maintain respect for each other and our different opinions and our different feelings, and there's no reason that anybody else should be able to. So without further ado, um, here comes the episode. And I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. If you guys want to catch the live of this, then I'm also going to post this link uh, on my Instagram, TopherTalks2020. Feel free to, you know, check that out, watch the live. It's definitely a different experience watching it live than it is just listening to the audio, but the audio is still gold. So let me know your thoughts. Here we go. Evening, everyone. <laughs> We're recording, Eric. Um, good evening, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the very first episode of the United Nation of Podcasts. Let's talk a little bit about what we got going on. We, <laughs> I love the feedback. Um, what we have going on, we this is cross-branding on crack. It's everyone you see on the screen right now has their own podcast, right? And we're all coming together to talk and be unified as a United Nation. So we all think it's a great idea. Of course we do. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. Uh, and there are a lot more members in our in our our party, if you will who are not on the call today. You're gonna to see different podcasts on each episode, um, but definitely something to look forward to. My name is James and I got my good friend over here, Eric. Uh, we are actually co-hosts to the Ear Hustling Podcast. Uh, we talk about a, a great um, variety of things. We talk about sports, we talk about uh, religion, we talk about politics. We talk about any and everything that we we think about. Uh, we actually just had a conversation with some millennials about um, uh, about current events. So just a lot of different things. Today, this group of, of fine-looking gentlemen and Eric will be talking about current events and whatever else we come up with. So at this time, without <laughs> further ado, I want to give the ball to somebody else. Who else out there want to go ahead and introduce yourself, talk about your podcast, 
and let's go. What's up, James? My podcast, Fun Does Podcast. You know, we center around live stories, live stories, uh, changing story, you know, testimonials, real people, real discussion, man. We get deep. We get people talk about their stories and what they overcame, man. Nice. And where can we um, hear your podcast, James? You can find me on your Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube. That's From the Dust Podcast. From the Dust Podcast. Awesome. All right. Who's next? I'll hop in. So my name is Chris, and uh, I uh, have the Topher Talks podcast. And uh, basically, I just think of it as like, uh, you know, I'm the oldest of seven. And there's a lot of things that I want to be able to share with my siblings that they don't want to hear coming from me directly, just like my kids don't want to hear things coming from me directly. So I think of like these little life lessons and things that I learned along the way and I, I podcast them. And then that way, whenever they want to reference them, you know, they, they have them there pretty much forever. Awesome. And where can we find your podcast, Chris? Uh, Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, and YouTube. Awesome. All right. Uh, jump in here. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, Mark here. My podcast is The Phantom Effect. Uh, try to give back to kind of the pop culture community. So uh, bring on various guests, talk about how they became, you know, comic book artists, uh, how they got into voice acting, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, really anything you could think of that has a kind of deep fan behind it. I try to dive into it and try to help people kind of get into it themselves. Oh, and where can we hear your podcast, Mark? Uh Mostly the all the major platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeart, Spotify, uh, and of course, Facebook and Twitter at Phantom Effect. Cool beans. All right. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, my name is Ben of uh, BS3 Radio, and um, I host a couple of podcasts myself, but also I'm the owner of BS3 Radio. We got sports, music, life. We talk about different topics. Uh, great things you can find it everywhere you can find a podcast except anchor and uh i'm about to i'm about to delete soundcloud because i'm i don't i'm getting tired of soundcloud but that's about it all right awesome thanks ben all right got a couple more all right i'll go ahead and go uh sean dustin don't where to go but up podcast uh my show is about bottoms life struggles and how uh everyday average people get through them whether it's, you know, addiction, uh, homelessness, anything that you can, you can deal with on a day-to-day basis that, that puts you down or got you to a point in your life where you had no, nowhere to go but up. And, uh, you know, and we, I just let them, let, let the guests talk about uh, how they got through it. And in between that, I do variety stuff that interests me, things that I'm struggling with currently. I talk to people about, you know, my issues. Um, you know, and try to give people an idea of how to, how to get through and get out of your own way. Nice. And where can we hear those in your shows, Sean? Uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, YouTube. Uh, also, uh, what's the other one? Uh, iHeartRadio. Most of the major platforms. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll jump in real quick. Oh, you got it? Hey. Yeah, I got you. Um, Justin Wallace from Carpool Shenanigans. Uh, me and my co-host, Mitch, we're just two friends telling stories, making history. Uh, everything's created and recorded from the comfort of our own car to and from our nine to five, podcasting our five to nine. Um, just hop in whenever, 
join our commute. Uh, we try to stay mostly comedy, some interviews here and there. Uh, we'll roast each other back and forth. It's just a great, great time. Uh, you can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Apple, Google, Pornhub, just wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. <laughs> I don't usually listen to uh, podcasts on Pornhub, but I do have a, a, a lifetime <laughs> subscription. <laughs> Your wife must not be in the room with you. She's oh, producing the no. show. She's I'm listening. Gonna, you can join if, if you get additional Pornhub. I, I can help you out with that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, I have not I, identified I, I, as a problem <laughs> yet. I'm serious. You got, some, got some, you got some coupon codes? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone needs that 10% off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wally and Brian, who's up? Uh, go ahead, Brian. All right, I'll go. My name is Brian Porter. Um, my podcast is called Brian's Place. It started off with episodes about celebrating life, protecting your mental health, and the reason why the rear view mirror is much smaller than the windshield. And more recently, I started having people on interviewing them, people with their own businesses who've written books. Also, um, a lady in her cupcake business, advocates from the mental health community and the human trafficking community and um it's it's really been awesome it's in its third season and i'm i'm really grateful for all the lives it's reaching awesome and where can we hear you on spotify as well as anchor fm awesome last but not least <laughs> filipinos for black power come on wally uh yeah what's up guys i'm wally hippolito host of the off the stoop podcast so off the stoop is um it's basically me speaking on trending topics and news just like you would be doing with your boys on the stoop at home or wherever you're hanging out at and it's just a way for me to kind of express myself and rant from a filipino perspective you know i grew up in san francisco so i feel like i have a very very unique sense of what being a Asian American and Filipinos like so yeah I'm trying to push that narrative forward awesome so Wally you're from San Fran or that's where you call home now just curious where does everyone else call home Justin where where where's home for you uh born raised in Kansas uh, around Wichita area moved to Oklahoma kind of right in the middle okay all right Sean how about you where's home uh, Northern California, uh, about 45 minutes outside of the uh, San Francisco in the east, east, east part of the bay. Okay. Outside of me, James, you got the next best name. Uh, what? Where are you from? Where's home? Originally from down south, but California right now. I reside in Central California, not too far. That's right in the middle between LA and San Francisco. Ooh. Okay. Fresno guy. Cl close enough. 30 minutes. <laughs> I got you. Brian, how about you? Where's home? I grew up from the Bay Area, but now I'm down by Ontario and Riverside. Okay. All right. Ben? Uh, I'm in Dallas, but I grew up in the Bay Area. So, man, we got, we got some yay area people up in there. Uh, guys. <laughs> people. Uh, man, I'm feeling <laughs> outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, Mark, ditto. please tell me hey! you're on the East Coast. I, I, I can save it here. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore Lions fan living in the heart of Packer country. So yes. I spend every day trying to piss off every Packer fan I can. Yes, thank you. I'm almost scared to ask. Chris, where are you from? <laughs> uh, I grew up up and down the, uh, the East Coast. I actually live in Rhode Island, though. 
All right, there we go. And um, <laughs> Mr. 313, uh, tell us about this name. Are, is, do you just have numbers because why exactly? Well, first, 313 is the area code that's representing the greatest city in the world. That is Detroit, Michigan. Say it again. I was the greatest city in the world, Detroit, Michigan. And for that's those who didn't pay attention in school, right yes, it is. For those who didn't pay attention in school, Detroit is French for the narrow straits. Say we border Canada. We're one of the largest like import and export uh, cities in the world. Uh, we've got outstanding sports history. We're known as the Renaissance City. So no matter how hard folks try to push us down, we get our asses right back up. Man, you mad. All right. Yeah. You're pretty yeah. sorry. Yeah. You want to you wanna know why I'm so mad? <laughs> not, turning this into, in not, not turning this into a political thing, but the vice president of the United States was in the Detroit area today, and it just really just kind of rubbed me a certain way thinking that he was that close and I couldn't just go and cuss this ass out for some of the things his uh, boss was doing. No, no politics. Oh, no, 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 oh, no politics. Oh. No, 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 no politics at all. Nah, none. <laughs> oh, oh. This is free-flowing, man, you know? Just... Live well, and uncensored. Yes. This is going <laughs> to be right. real interesting. <laughs> that was my take. So but, I, um, too, am originally from Detroit. I now lay my head in Atlanta, but Detroit is home, no doubt about it. So, guys, let's jump in here. So, we said we were going to talk current events. So, when you, we talk about current events, what are some of the things that you think of uh, that you want to talk about today? Pandemics and protests. Pandemics and protests. Yeah, uh, why, I got one. Okay. Why isn't, why isn't the, uh, the uh, Seattle, Washington uh, chop? Uh, the protests that's happening there where they took over those six city blocks, why isn't that being covered by mainstream media? Mm. They want to show the power of the people, man. They, they, may, not, they may not be let in there. They got, the, they got that place barricaded off. They may not even be let in there. They're letting plenty of people in for, uh, to do uh, uh, you know, independent stuff. Like if you go on, uh, you go on YouTube, you can see a bunch of different stuff. Fox News is trying to paint it out as it's a it's a riot zone and it's you know it's lawlessness and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and that's that's hardly the case. I mean, it's very peaceful. They haven't even the the police uh, gave up their their precinct and and they and they've got people that are protecting it, making sure nobody goes into it. Yeah, what? It, it shows the power of the people, man. You know what? It, it doesn't it doesn't paint the narrative that everybody wants. You know, I, I'm sure we all. We're all pretty, we all pretty attuned to this. That the media, they want a story of um, everything's a story to them. They want carnage and love to be to clash at all times. And with with Seattle, they they don't have that. All they have is peace, and that doesn't sell, unfortunately. You know, yeah, what? I I'll the, jump uh, in and I'll say I see um, CNN coverage on a fairly regular basis. You know, and, and that's all they're reporting. And I think CNN has done a great job in everywhere there's been protests to kind of show the peaceful side of things. You know, it's not about all riots. It's not about fires. And it's not about that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I've been seeing, including in Seattle. So that's kind of what I've, I personally have seen. Yeah. I, I've used... 
I, I used to stay in Seattle, excuse me for chiming in. Uh, Seattle was one of those cities where um, they probably were like decades ahead of everybody in terms of uh, interracial couples, being really, really close to Canada, just everybody just embracing everybody. It's one of the most multicultural cities that you would ever stay in. So the reason why Seattle's approach is a nonviolent approach and it stays that way is because they've always had that sort of vibe in their city. And every city really can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like what Seattle's doing. And I think it, it, uh, it just shows to me how they're coming together. I mean, because a lot, some cities are breaking apart. You can see how Seattle's coming together. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see, they said no police, uh, it's a no police zone. So I'm wondering if a police officer goes in there, like what exactly are they gonna do? Are they gonna push the police officer out? Like that, to me, that that's the part I don't, I don't, I can't fully wrap my head around because police have guns. I don't know if people in that, you know, in that group have guns. So that, that's a question that I'm wondering. Yeah. I would not be surprised if they were there, you know, undercover, playing clothes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they're they're definitely around. I, I have no doubt on that. I, I think the, the public display of it, like when they come in uniform, is really going to show, like, because you can change the narrative however you want, you know, like you mentioned Fox News and all that. But if you have on camera cops in uniform going into this and these people let them in, you know, like with open arms <laughs> and there's no violence or nothing like that, like you can't, you can't twist that narrative. And I think... Maybe that's why we're not seeing that is because how are you going to twist that? Like, that's not, that's showing nothing but love. I will say this. If I was a police officer in Seattle, I don't think I would be uh, volunteering to be the one to go in there and give it a try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not a Kylie Jenner commercial. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to come to you with a Pepsi and be like, here, have a drink. Everything's good now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You can't be telling me that's not how it works. Right? I was led to believe that's how it works. <laughs> I totally forgot about that commercial. <laughs> that was actually one of the first things I thought of when these protests started. I was like, where is the Jenner here and where the fuck is my Pepsi going to come from? <laughs> it's that future subliminal messaging because now you're going out buying a Pepsi. Like, why the hell am I drinking this right now? Have you guys seen that picture of, um, of whichever Jenner it is? She's holding it up. But it's it's a Photoshop because you can see her shadow. She's not holding a bo a board up. No, I haven't seen that. that. Dude, I got it. I haven't seen it. I got to send it in the group later. But oh my god, the the clout chasing is too real in that picture. Wow. Gotta check it out. So someone brought up pandemics and protests. So I got a question for you guys. As far as protests, do you agree with the way protests are happening? Well, wait, but there's a difference between protests and riot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, pro protest I, is peaceful. Protest is a message. Riot is just ruckus. Am I right? Yeah. So yeah. let let me ask a different way. Do you agree with the way people are expressing themselves across the country? I agree with the protest. You know the the peaceful protest. You know the unity between brown and black. When when did you ever see that happen? Very rare. Am I right? Okay. You know, I'll I'll say I'll say that I think you know I I am a hundred percent on board with the protests but I'm not gonna pretend that I don't understand the rage that leads to the rioting. I think historically, you know, we, we've been, in our history classes, we're not taught the, the depths that people had to go through. You know, even when we learn about MLK, right? What do we learn? He liked to march and he was very peaceful. 
I mean, yeah, he, he wasn't exactly out there telling people to pick up guns and go out and shoot folks, but he also had a strategy and a methodology to the way that he did things and the way that he carried himself that I think we don't touch upon enough as a people. You know, what, what's happening out there, it's not, I'm bored, I have nothing to do, let me go destroy. It's, I'm in so much pain, the only way that I can get the white world to listen to me, to hear my voice, is to cause them pain, and the only place they've ever felt pain is when we hurt their wallets. It's sad because like Dr. King once said, um, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Love cannot drive out. I mean, hate cannot drive out hate. Only hate, love can do that. So, you know, burning stuff and blocking freeways, it's not, it's not solving any type of problems. It's sending a message, but it's sending the, the wrong type of message, you know? And that's the last thing you want. If you want your voice to be heard, there's a, there's a way to go about you know doing it i think i'll i'll counter that by saying malcolm x said this be peaceful be courteous obey the law respect everyone but if someone puts his hands on you send him to the cemetery and i mean i'm not old enough to go too far back into history you know i was only maybe like one years old when rodney king uh uh when rodney king happened so, but these last 10 or 12 years People have been, like, people have died, you know, kids have died. And I think the age that, age group that grew up with Obama and, you know, my age group, the millennials, like, they're, they're just tired of getting beat down. And this is a, this is a, um, this is a response to that. And I think it's, whether it is rioting, which I don't completely agree with, or it's peaceful protests, like, they, the country kind of put the, put that on themselves. You know, Wally, let me jump in. Um, this is a very serious conversation and I almost feel guilty for him going to say, but I was so with you until you said you was one years old when Rodney King happened. <laughs> I was in high school. So, I mean, I thank you, Wally. Please. Should uh, I not have aged myself in that one? Yeah. I had to go out there, you know? I'm not going to say, oh yeah, I was there. No, or was lack like, of age. Or someone, lack of someone age. Puts a big, this motherfucker was one. I got to throw everything out on the table. Man. But no, <laughs> you, you know what? I, I, I think you guys are right. But, you know, Brian, my question to you, I guess, is, and, and I ask people um, who say things about against writing, which I don't condone either. I would personally wouldn't write myself. But what is the right way? And I think ever since Colin first took a knee, people have said that's the wrong way to protest. That's the wrong way to get attention. Well, now we do the other extreme and that's the wrong way. So what exactly, and, and not just to you, Brian, what exactly is the right way that's gonna grab the attention? I think Chris is right, you know, hit them in the wallets. You know, and I think that's something that we really haven't done. We haven't said, you know what, let's not spend any money for a week. You know, Martin, he led a bus boycott and that was very effective. We have to do something like that, but I'm also not going to tell people don't do it this way because all the anger, all the rage, we got attention, you know, and unfortunately, I'm here in Atlanta, 4.8 miles from my house, from my apartment, uh, is where um, Mr. Um, Brooks just got shot last Friday, you know, in the back by a police officer. You know, we, we got attention, but we obviously haven't gotten it enough. Right, you know, and that's that's a little concerning because we've done a whole lot in these past few weeks. 
And I'll, I'll add, I'll add into it, that. Just oh, I'm sorry, did I cut somebody off? No, that's okay. Go ahead, Ben. I'll go behind you. Okay. I, I was just gonna say, um, you know, you see a lot of signs of younger people saying, "This is not uh, my generation. Is not about peaceful walking. Uh, my generation is about whatever." You know, you see different signs about how this younger generation is not as as peaceful. I think we also really got to honestly look at who's doing the rioting, who's breaking the windows, who's doing all these things, because maybe that person has the complete wrong intent. That person may not even be there to create peace. That person may be there just to cause destruction. And we've seen numerous situations where uh, there's a there's a Caucasian person breaking a window and or there's someone that is is performing the, these these uh, tearing up of buildings and stuff like that. And that's not their MO. So I think there's there, there's a there's a lot going on. Some of it is good, some of it is bad. Some of it is just I'm just here because my homies are here and because we just decided, you know, we was gonna do this. I don't have, I'm not on either side. So there's a huge confusion of a lot of things going on. So it's very hard to like pinpoint and say you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that, because people have different, you know, different motives. Opportunists, yep, exactly. I've I've always said, um, a 70 inch television is not going to bring, you know, awareness to the cause, right. <laughs> you know, so it's like Jordan's uh, isn't, it, uh, just like uh, watches isn't just like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I've seen people, you know, walking out of shoe stores with a bunch of, you know, boxes of Adidas, you know, whatever. That's not, that's not the way. Yeah. yeah if, uh, if you don't uh, mind, I want to uh, chime in real quick, uh, just to kind of go back to the uh, question that you raised, what's the right way to do it? Uh, this is the millennials' um, first real exposure to racism on that level. Uh, me, I was born back in 71, so right after the civil rights movement, everything was kind of like in an uneasy calm sort of situation as we transitioned from all of the racial profiling to uh, what we were experiencing up until the riots. Uh, certain, you know, the millennials are, are upset for a different reason than folks like myself. It was always around us, but no one never really addressed it. Uh, it right after all of this stuff happening, you know, the Black Panthers pretty much disbanded. There was no structured leadership, you know, in our communities just to kind of integrate everybody. So it's almost like we we regressed with all of the progress that we made in the 60s and the 70s. So, you know, there was the 80s and then all of a sudden the Rodney King situation blew up. I'm over here in Detroit. We had a gentleman named Malice Green um, who that happened. And of course, we're advancing to what's going on now in 2020. Um, this has really divided a lot of households. It's divided a lot of friendships. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like angry and frustrated and don't really know how to express themselves. And then when the violence took place, this was just their excuse really to blow off steam, in my opinion. So this is, this is probably going to take at least a decade for us to really straighten this out. And in order to get everything back on track in terms of being able to understand what one culture feels, you know, versus another. I think the 80s and 90s, we just lived under a Band-Aid. You know, this always lived, this always was there. It didn't go anywhere. You know, we just, just brushed it under the rug and we coexisted and all was good, you know, and then it's just a matter of it just kind of boiled over. So, I mean, that's kind of my idea. Yeah. I think part of it kind of too, is though it's a new world, like we have to find what, what's the medium today to make change. You know, obviously like the revolution, peaceful protesting wouldn't have made America what it is today. So I feel like today's world, we have to figure out what, you know, what is that line? Like we've been saying, like, 
you know, where is that line of peaceful protesting? And does that transition into some sort of like, you know, I don't agree with like rioting, but, you know, where is that line where you can make impactful change? You know, it's, it's a different world. I think we have to, you know, and then as you said, that's what's going to take that five, 10 years of people trying to figure out where's that line? Where can we actually make impactful change? I think the important uh, thing when, it, when we're talking about, about protesting to just kind of touch on that question is I think, I think the best way to protest, honestly, and I'll say it is in a disruptive manner. I mean, I hated, I remember uh, when I was like in my late teens, early 20s, um, the, uh, the Occupy movement moved into the town that I was in and uh, they were occupying a space across the, the office that I worked in. And uh, I remember being so annoyed at how inconvenient it was that they would block my way to work or they would you know, block my way to, to the office. And at the end of the day, because I was inconvenienced, I couldn't get where I had to go, I had to stop and listen. And I think that was something else that, that MLK was, was big on was, you know, if you're gonna protest, it needs to be in a disruptive manner. It doesn't need to be destructive, not destructive, but disruptive so that you get people's attention and they're listening to what you're saying. If we, if we you know, found convenient places to protest, then they could conveniently go around us and that's part of the problem. So basically you're saying it's, it's, a, it's okay in some sort of way, right? Like a 50-50, to, to get the wretches out, it's be loud and cause a ruckus and then bring the peace? Absolutely. When people's lives are in the balance, when I got to worry about my son going for a bike ride with his boys and not making it back home, you absolutely disrupt whatever you got to disrupt until lives are, lives are in the balance here. We can't play the gentle game. We can't play the please help me or please let's have a conversation or please let's come to the table. We need to put our, our foot down and say, we're not having pleases anymore at this point in time. This is what needs to happen. We've, we've had enough. And it makes sense because no, no matter what, who it is, like, you can be peaceful, bro. But there's always going to be somebody that's going to go out there and disrupt your peace. So it, I agree. That it makes sense. You know, I, I think, think that, that um, uh, there's a, a really. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult to have peaceful protests when you have elements that come in as catalysts and agents of uh, chaos that come in like the guy in the uh, in the in the, the umbrella in the auto zone, the, the white guy that was breaking the wind. come along with it because when that happens they're allowed to come in now and, and and break up that protest because it's become violent right it's become disruptive um they, they they do that purposely you know in these last ones in dallas i believe you had uh you know pallets of bricks laying around in areas where where people were going to gather trying to be another catalyst or agent for destruction i mean there's all these things i mean that, that stuff isn't free you know, like who's paying for those things to be placed there? You know, who's trying to drive the agenda and the narrative? You know, and what for what purpose? You know, what what is the end game on this? So, I mean, I, I think it's really crazy that that. I mean, if you're if you're a news reporting agency, shouldn't you just be reporting the news, not not trying to uh, drive a narrative somewhere? You know, I mean, what what happened to just regular reporting? I, you know, not not reporting about the stuff that's happening in, uh, you know, in, in Washington, in Seattle. I mean, that's a perfect demonstration of what what a peaceful protest is supposed to look like. Why wouldn't you want everybody to, to take note of that and, and, and follow that example in future protests? Because they don't want that. None of them want that. 
Well, they still want to divide it. They still want to divide and conquer. Yeah. Well, like you said, violence uh, that drives ratings. Uh, there's no, there, there aren't any ratings in terms of a peaceful protest. You know, over here in Detroit, we've had protests that have taken place since day one. The peaceful protests that are constantly going on doesn't get the news coverage. You know, bashing police cars and burning up houses, you know, that's what gets the ratings up. So there's no profitability, you know, in peaceful protest. Um, but when it turns violent, and I think everybody pretty much hit the nail on the head that there are other, there, there are other components within the peaceful protest that initiates all of this stuff, like the burning of the cars and, and, and all of this other stuff. Um, and then the last point that I want to bring, I, I believe, and I don't condone this, but I believe that the violence in the end is going to wind up proving to be a positive because Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were both polar opposite. So on the one hand, we're trying it the Martin Luther King way, but there was always that undertone that if this doesn't work, then you're going to have to deal with Brother Malcolm. So that other alternative, that, that yin versus yang situation, I, I think should be there. Yeah, and, and just to add two things, uh, I think the first, the first thing is now, where do we go from here? Because we, we, everybody's attention is brought to the situation. So where do we go from here? And I think a huge part of it, a lot of people say, okay, you need to vote, which I agree with that. And, and honestly, I'm gonna be straight up honest right now. I, I had to 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 practice what I preach. I needed to be someone that voted not just for the presidential part, but for every two years because that stuff is important. That's where that's where change comes. And you're seeing more people coming out and saying these are our demands. This is what we want to see. I, I, so I think the we're starting to see the next steps of this. Obviously, there is still protesting going on, but I think uh, it's, it's, it's time to take it to step two because we, we all know it's all being brought to our attention. Uh, the second point I forgot, so uh, somebody else. <laughs> can I, <laughs> I'll think of it in a minute. So can I pose, let me pose a question to, to the group here. Um, so, you know, with all the protests that's going on, everything that's, that's happening, how many of you guys have been having conversations with not just like your, your family and your friends, but with people of, of the opposite side to kind of try and, and have conversation and, and how many people have been reaching out to you guys saying, hey, I want to be better about this. What can I do? You know what? We actually, on um, a couple of podcasts ago, we invited the opposition to come on our show. Um, one person did accept, but we, we have a lot of people that will sit there behind the keyboard and they will say, oh, um, black lives aren't the only lives that matters. And this is an example, all lives matter. It's like, yeah, we understand that. But why do you feel that, you know, minorities are putting such a big emphasis on being mistreated? You know, come out here, state your point, kind of give us some insight on where we may have an error in our ways. Black Lives Matter has been out since 2013. Colin Kaepernick has been pe preaching peaceful protests since 2016. And we all have said black, black Lives Matter is not an exclusion. We're just simply highlighting the injustice that has taken place in our community. If something happens to a Hispanic, then Hispanic lives matter. If something happens to a Chaldean, Chaldean lives matters. If something happens with the lesbian and gay community, their lives matters and so forth and so on. So it's not an exclusion of everybody else, but we're highlighting our struggles. So why can't people just really understand that there's multiple sides to every story? And again, we're not trying to exclude anybody, but I can only speak as a black man 
what's going on in my community. I can empathize with you based on my experience. If it happens to you, we all rally together and then we try to correct this incorrect behavior. I think a big part of the problem too is that people don't understand where the problem is actually stemming from. Okay, we have all the things that happened in the past. I mean, you know, Rosa Parks, even you go back that far. I mean, they had to have, you know, violence in order to create change and stuff like that. And I mean, it was more horrific than it was, you know, uh, back then than it is now. But at the same time, the problems lie within this, the system itself and the politicians and how the, the policy and, and, you know, it is not only policy here on our soil, but, but foreign policy around the country that is, is aimed at oppressing, you know, people of color, other, other countries and, you know, getting them in debt and all the things that, that all countries pretty much, you know, uh, participate in. Um, but, you know, when you figure that out and try to figure out to come with some solutions on how we can start changing our own democracy, um, and I, I was a part of a group the other night, and I, I mean, I'm still a part of it. Uh, and we were talking about different types of democracies that we could implement. I mean, because it's one thing to talk about the problems, but if you're not coming with some, some sort of solutions, I mean, what's the point? You know, you're just going to be going around in circles and everybody's going to continue to go, oh, well, Black Lives Matter. No, all lives matter. Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. And, it's, and, and that's not the point. The point is, let's figure out where the problem is and stop doing it. Stop stop playing the division game that, that you're falling into. You know, we have a comment um, on our, our uh, Facebook page and someone said in Detroit, they try to engage conversations with Republicans uh, and uh, about police brutality and, and different things. And they get to start feeling uncomfortable and they change the subject. And I think to Eric's point, and um, just kind of piggyback off of episode 17 for us, uh, we did a uh, facing racial tension episode and we invited, actually we invited more people on the opposition than um, in favor of, if you will. And what we got was, Oh, you know, I'm busy that day or no, I don't want to do it, do anything on, uh, on air. Um, you know, it might jeopardize my career, uh, you know, things like that. And, and what I find interesting is, if you believe in something, if you stand for something, why hide? If unless in your heart you know something's not right about what you believe in, you know. And I don't see how anyone can feel good about being a racist. You know, I don't. Um, you know, someone mentioned. I think Chris, you mentioned. Oh, you were talking about teaching, um, and to answer your other question, uh, I. Ha excuse me, I had a friend who was a teacher. Um, and this conversation is the conversation that kind of has um, taken us away from being friends. And he it was a former teacher. And I asked, and he, he is um, white. And I asked him, what did you teach in your classes about black history? And he said, nothing. I asked, do you know who Emmett Till is? And he never heard of Emmett Till, but this is someone that's teaching fourth, fifth grade students. In Detroit, I knew at an early age about Emmett Till. Around that age range is the age he was when he was lynched, right? You know, and like, I think Sean, you mentioned Rosa Parks, you know, we talk about that sometimes. My son grew up in the schools here in the South 
and they didn't talk about black history. I'm like, this is where civil rights was was birthed. Why isn't that part of the, the curriculum? That is history. So why isn't it part of the curriculum? And I think that's very interesting. And last thing I'll say, just this week alone, if y'all don't know, if you can't tell, if you, whatever, I'm biracial. My mother was white, my father was black. Just this week alone, I've had two people in my family uh, ask me, why am I so involved? You know, why, why do you care, you know, as much as you do? You know, you're not in it. It doesn't affect you. You know, so I've, I've had conversations and it's been some very tough conversations I've lost and I'm okay with it, Chris. I've lost several relationships with people over this conversation, um, you know, so to answer your question. Can I ask something? As, as us, as multi-ethnics, have you, any one of us experienced racial tension? You know, I've experienced police brutality. Yeah, mm. I could say, I could say the same. I believe I've experienced police brutality because of because of a race, right? If, and you know, because we're all minorities here, you know, I've, I've experienced some some of it in as a Mexican American, and you know, I I stand with the with the justice no, no matter what it is, you know. And I've I experienced a racial profiling from the police too, you know. So I I get it, you know. I don't I'm not fully there. I I can't you know fully experience experience that you know the Africans go through, you know, because in history, they, they get it the most, but as has expanded, we, we get it, I think, right underneath you guys, you know, and it's, it's you know, it's it's starting to get to a point where it's intolerable. I mean, people are getting tired, you know. I'm, I'm getting tired of seeing lives taken for, for no reason just because the color of your skin or just because of your race, man. It's it's ridiculous nowadays. Man, there's a, there's a police officer uh, who waits for me on my morning commute. At least once a week, he follows me from, from the beginning of the town until I turn into my job every week for the last three years. And he just never gives up, never surrenders. So yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think I'll piggyback what you were saying about, about Latinos too. One of the big things that I'm struggling with is I feel like I have to convince some of those. So I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. And I feel like I have to convince some of my family members that this impacts us as well. You know, if 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 everything that happened after Hurricane Maria didn't show us how little we are in terms of differences from, from the black community, then nothing in the world is going to show us. You know? and, and if we go back in our history, we, we all come from the same place. We're all a mix of the same things. And so the, the black community struggle is my struggle and the Hispanic community struggle should be the black struggle. And there shouldn't be a, a line in the in-between because at the end of the day, all of our ancestors came from the same place. It's just diluted a little bit more inside of the Spanish race. Well, um, it's the human experience, man. Yeah, well, to big to piggyback off all three of you guys, I think it just goes back to all this goes back to defund the police, which I think is like probably the stupidest way you could phrase that. I think if they named it reallocate the police, people would have been a lot more easygoing with it. But going to that subject, I think what James was saying about you know all you were saying. It just goes back to education. Like, none, nobody is being taught this. And, you know, if we reallocate the funds, police funds, that doesn't mean we're taking, they're taking away jobs from anybody, but it is moving money to the education system to be able to essentially hire better teachers to teach these subjects. I mean, it's, it's a known fact that teachers are hugely underpaid. As a former teacher myself, 
So I got paid dog shit for the amount of work I do. My girlfriend, you know, bless her. She's a teacher still. She gets paid dog shit, but she does great work. And I think, yeah, it, it just all goes down to education, you know, from the bottom, from the bottom up. Um, from, I know, I know in San Francisco, we have a big, um, we have a big multiracial um, melting pot and as a metropolitan area, we do acknowledge, you know, uh, African uh, Black uh, Black History Month, and we have Filipino History Month. So we're given a taste of that, but I I can't say that for the rest of the country, you know. Yeah, and and to add on to what you were saying, James, and also you, Wally, there there's a documentary out there that talks. Uh, it's it's about an oratorical contest that young kids uh, are doing. I think it's on Amazon Prime. But on that documentary, basically, it says the only thing that they teach of Black history is Martin Luther King. So they're all doing Martin Luther King speeches, but Black history is so much deeper than Martin Luther King. That is a great part of it, but there's also other aspects to it that I don't even know if, if I learned when growing up. So now when you go down to where it is now, good point, Wally. I mean, I think we, we need to learn all the history, not just certain parts of the history that makes it look good, that makes America seem like this great big place but all of it we need it we need all of it yeah well, like, if you go if you go if you go back to uh uh in the south where you know right after slavery was abolished uh what's that what's that prison it's in mississippi uh it starts with a p the parchment the, all those laws were created to turn around and they they put they put parchment on on the uh on the con field and, and where the cotton fields were so they could start arresting uh people and having them work in those work those fields so they were just found another way to get slave labor still yeah kind of like an indentured servant sort of situation so i know uh, speaking of which tomorrow is june 19th and that was supposed to be the official end of slavery so in the form of free labor yeah but also the indentured servants laws uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's like a lot of people who were freed as slaves pretty much had nowhere to go. So what they did is that they pretty much had to sign an agreement that I'm going to work for you as long as you provide housing for me. So in a way, that's what they were doing anyway. They provided shitty ass housing accommodations and then they still worked the hell out of the slaves in order to in order to get done whatever it is that they were doing as far as crops or whatever. So, you know mindset and and not really knowing about your history you know black history month it's a great tool but it only gets highlighted in february um we are african americans so i do believe that our history and everybody's history all cultures should be acknowledged every month but then i think every culture should be highlighted one month a year so we get a lot of flat too over black history month why is there just a black history month well, you know what? We went through a lot of shit in order to get Black History Month. So if you really feel that way, then you need to go ahead and rally up some people in your ethnicity, and then you need to go designate a month and highlight it. But I, I think I kind of got like a little off track, but that's kind of a sensitive and a sore subject for me when I hear people say that. Uh, and, 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 and I think everybody said it the right way. I, it, just, it just has to be ubiquitous now. Like my history, is, it's our history from here on out, honestly. I know that's kind of like a kumbaya sentiment, but you know, in the millennial age and the social media age, like that's really what America is these days. 
you know, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. And um, I think we'll be wrapping up in a few minutes, uh, moving over to Mark to kind of close us out. But um, something, Eric, you said that I, you and I have had this conversation before, and I would love to hear everyone else's opinion on this. I struggle with the term African-American. I struggle with that because I'm not from Africa. So because I'm black, why am I African-American? You know, um, I, I personally feel like I was born in Detroit. I'm American, right? Um, why do we have to put a title on it? You know, uh, Wally, I, I don't know, maybe you do, but uh, I don't hear people say, or I actually, I do hear people say Filipino-American, uh, Mexican-American, uh, African-American. I don't hear anyone say I'm European-American. You know, why Why does, and, 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 and not to be so blunt about this, but why does white people get to be American, but everyone else has a title before? You know, I, I kind of struggle with that. I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on that or anyone's. Well, that's the big, that's the big problem, I think, right, is that I, I think white people refuse to accept and understand that America, that, that the United States of America is not a white country. You know, it's a, a melting pot of all cultures and people from all over the world. And until they start to see it that way, they're always going to find ways to label us so that it's, it's obvious that we're different. We don't belong and we're strangers into this land. Mm. So I, I guess I'll dump in. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. So like to, to your point, like I, I'm married to my wife is Hmong, which is like a smaller subsect of like uh, Thailand. So my son is mixed. So, uh, I mean, I, I thankfully grew up with a very, you know, progressive father who taught me the right way to, to learn and, you know, to like seek out information versus just believing stuff that you hear. Um, so I, I guess my viewpoint's different because obviously I'm, I'm white. Um, but at the same time, I have to be fearful of some stuff when, you know, I go out with my wife or my son, you know, him being mixed and have always kind of having that back in my head. And I think Chris went off a good point, you know, like, we, we like we're supposed to be a melting pot so the the point of putting labels on stuff i think is just so people can feel better like in their own head being like oh i'm this or i'm that or i'm that and when that happens enough times like with enough people you get stuck in that that's where you know like african-american or filipino-american just start sticking with people because they're like oh that's just what you say um but like that's again it's like we, we talked about it earlier but it's it's changing that narrative it's like educating people on how everyone's an American, like regardless of what race you are or what ethnicity you're from or where you're coming from. Like either we're all, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's, it's a world, like we're supposed to be helping each other out. Like we're not even just a country. It's supposed to be us as a world helping each other out, but like either we're the United States of America or we're not, or we're, you know, 10 different races or whatever. Like there can't be a distinction. Otherwise we're not America. Then we're just different people saying that, Oh, I'm this or I'm that, and then otherwise, what was the what was the point of fighting for everything that different people have fought for if we all, you know, keep just putting labels on on everything for no reason? I think for me, it's I don't for any race, especially the blacks. It's hard for me to to say a certain word without disrespecting the race. You know, do I say, well, he's black, and say, why do I gotta be black? I'm I'm African American, or do I say African American? Well, how how do you Express yourself without disrespecting somebody. So I me, or do I say, brother? Is that is that disrespect? You know, some people take it different. But as That's for me, question. you know, as for me, I always see it as you know, uh, we're from we're from 
whatever country our descendants come from or our parents come from, that's what we are. But our heritage is also we're born in America. So, you know, so as hard as me, it's it's African American, Mexican American, you know, Filipino American, no matter where we're from, our bloodline, and where we're, we're born. You know, it's hard to to say something without hurting somebody. So it's, I'm, I I struggle with that with that word too. You know, I I wonder, and, and that's a great point, James. But I wonder why do we have to address by a name? You know, why why does that have to be a distinction? You know, um, we're we're all human first, I think. Um, you know, so why can't we be part of the human race first and foremost? You know, uh, I spoke to someone who's well traveled, and he told me that um, in other countries that he's been to. You know, they don't say, hey, look at that black guy over there. Look at that white guy over there. They say, look at that guy with the yellow shirt. You know, look at the guy with the red shoes. Look at him over there. You know, not the color of our skin. And that kind of thing only happens here in the United States of America. You know, so I just find that interesting. You know, once again, we all have to be put in a box. And um, I'm not too sure I agree with that. But I don't get offended if someone calls me African-American or, or white or, or whatever. Um, you know, my father used to say, you can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. So, uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, right. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. Um, just kind of just looking at things and James like to say, we've discussed this before at great length. Uh, two, two documents come to mind, the constitution of the United States and the Bible. Both of those are pretty much saying that all people are created equal. Uh, and then I want to lean towards the Constitution. The Constitution says that everybody is supposed to be treated equally, but the Constitution, it specifically points out that Black people were considered less than 100% cute. I find that very disturbing. Uh, we've always been fighting an uphill in terms of our identity. I don't believe there was any other ethnicity that was singled out as not less than human other than Blacks. You know, these are the same people who we were charged with taking care of slave owners, children, uh, tending to their crops, uh, doing all sorts of things. So we were good enough to entrust, be entrusted with those types of things, but yet we're not human. So from the beginning, from the time that we were brought over from our various countries to this country, we've always been singled out as less than. So what you're saying, I, I do understand exactly what you're saying, James, but it was never really uh, a fair intent for us to be treated as equal. So from that standpoint, I don't think that we'll ever be truly a United States because we're, we're not united because there's always going to be something different. If this was like totally black, uh, a totally black country or totally white country or whatever, then yeah. But as long as we have all of these different ethnicities, there's always going to be some ignorant person that's going to think that they're superior because of how they came out of the womb. I'll, I'll chime in here and say, um, I think about it in a little bit of a different perspective. So um, I was born in, in New York. So I'm, you know, American, right? But I actually don't like to use American to describe myself. And um, uh, if you ask me where I'm from, I'll say I'm Puerto Rican. If you ask me, I'll always say Puerto Rican. And, and I think the reason for that, and I kind of took this, this long journey over the last decade or so to, to, sorry, over the last decade or so to really learn the history of the Puerto Rican people and what they've been through. And, and again, like I said, Hurricane Maria really kind of shook me into thinking about what I had historically thought about our country and the way that they treat our citizens. But I haven't reconciled the way that they treated my island and my people with who 
America is supposed to be. And so for me, saying that I'm American is not something that I'm, that I'm proud of because I don't feel like we as a country treat all Americans the same. Yeah. To, I, I, go ahead, Ben. Okay, I was going to to add on to that, um, to, to what Chris said, America has a lot of blood on their hands, a lot from different races. You think uh, just me being black, we, we come over here to a place we didn't ask to come to, and then you treat us as slaves, and then you treat us as less than. Even with any other race that has come here, it's always looked at as like, why are you here? Uh, we, we don't like you because you're different. That, that's, that's ultimately, that's what it comes down to. We don't, we don't like you because you're different, but we're all different. We all, we're, we're, none of us are the same. So uh, for me, when it comes to the African-American or black, I mean, I, I prefer black just because that's, that's what I've always uh, identified as. That's what I call people uh, that are black. Um, I don't, if somebody says African-American, I'm not going to be offended by it. And I think African-American was kind of a thing that started, I don't know when exactly, but I know it wasn't throughout my whole childhood. Uh, it started at some point in time. I don't know when exactly, but that, that became like a term. And I think also people probably asked, a black person who was uh, maybe a spokesperson, I don't know, Jesse Jackson or somebody, like, what do you, what do you, what black, what should black, black people be called? And maybe that's what they said. I, I think ultimately that, that's kind of how that term came up because I don't know if somebody came, with, came up with that on their own. But um, I, I wouldn't be offended with, with either or. Um, if, you, if you don't mind, I, we do have um, a comment that I do want to bring um, up. So it's one of our, of viewers from Detroit. Um, he says that the problem is, is that we are great at bringing attention to these issues, but after we lose our focus, our traction when it comes to instituting real change. So just to paraphrase, we're great at bringing up the issues, but nobody follows through in terms of being able to change these things. Uh, just to kind of piggyback on one last thing, it's great that we're out here protesting, but we need to get out and we need to vote. More importantly, we need to get qualified people who are serving our interests in our communities and we need to make sure that they get elected. So if we're electing the same old people over and over again, we're not gonna be able to institute any change. So I don't know if that's term limits. Um, if we do a better job of investigating the candidates that are actually running for political office, because honestly, I think that we as a society do a terrible job at venting those candidates before we vote for them. And until we get out of this too political party system, I don't think we're going to really have any real change. Interesting. Well, guys, we're up against the hour. So uh, if you all don't mind, we'd like to give Mark the, the floor for the final word to talk about his podcast, talk about anything that he wants. If he wants to smack us all virtually, he's got the floor and he's going to sign us out. So Mark, you got it. All right. Uh, I, I guess first, like for anyone that tuned in at any point and presented some comments uh i know as fellow like a podcaster with everybody here it's always appreciated and people tune in and uh kind of further the dialogue so uh every time we do this just want to encourage everybody to to keep it going uh i just met a lot of these guys pretty recently but already it's everyone's gotten pretty close it's it's awesome to see like the community uh the only thing i'll mention about my podcast is uh i do new episodes every friday uh, I'm going to be instituting a new segment in July called Fandom Talk, where I'm just going to go over stuff myself, things that have impacted me uh, and things like that. Uh, but of course, like if you're, if you're liking, you know, like my stuff or I'm going to try to 
plug everyone's stuff here. Make sure you keep, if you got, I know a few people got backgrounds. Uh, uh, Sean's got one, nowhere to go but up. Uh, people have mentioned their podcast in the beginning. So you can go back to the beginning of uh, this recording and you can play it back and hear uh, everyone's podcast name so you can write it down. So if you like, you know, highly encourage everybody, go back, play everybody. Um, I guess the last thing I'll kind of say on the topic is, uh, yeah, it, it, I feel like it'll be a long time before, you know, we really get real change. But if, you know, as long as we keep having the honest conversations and like uh, we've talked about it before, like people will mention it and then we, we stop talking about it. So I feel like now is the time where as long as we can at least keep having a conversation about it, keep drawing attention to things, uh, you know, hopefully we can make some sort of, you know, impact. Uh, but I appreciate everyone that tuned in. Like I said, uh, it's always awesome. I can't wait to do this again. Uh, but that's all I got. I encourage everybody to check out everyone's podcast. It helps always helps if you support everybody. So. Awesome. Thanks gentlemen. Right on guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, everyone. Yeah. See ya. Hey, see ya. I think the, the panelists did a fantastic job of introducing themselves, but just in case you missed it, um, please, please, please go out, check out these, these podcasts, support these, these folks who are uh, really putting their passion and their love into what they're doing. And it's such a wide variety of different topics on here. Definitely guaranteed you'll find something that you're into. So um, if you missed it, here are the names of all of the podcasts that were on this panel. Uh, and please, like I said, check them out, show some love. If you want to watch the, the Facebook live video, check it out. Uh, and then let me know your thoughts. But here we go. So uh, first and foremost, the hosts of the call and shout out to both James and Eric for putting this all together. The Ear Hustling Podcast with James and Eric. Nowhere to Go But Up with Sean Dustin. The Fandom Effect with Mark Hallberg. From the Dust Podcast with James Sains. BS3 Radio with Ben Sutter III. Carpool Shenanigans with Justin Wallace. Off the Stoop with Wally Navarez and Brian's place with Brian Porter. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys got some some great value out of that. I know that I did. It was a hell of an experience for me. I can't wait to do it again. Um, but as always, I encourage everyone to keep the discussion going. So hit me, Instagram, Topher Talks 2020, uh, Twitter, Topher underscore W underscore Grace. I'm Topher, and you've been listening to Topher Talks. Catch you guys next week.